Hello, my name is Vance Need, and welcome to episode 10 of the PS Plus, a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called The Postscript. Now, on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe speaks with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. Here on this podcast, the PS Plus will take a look at some of those topics that are being discussed, and we'll dive in a little bit deeper. Now, we recently finished a series on the seven dispensations in dispensationalism. So if you haven't listened to those, you'll want to go back and do that first. We're going to continue today's discussion by looking at some distinctives of dispensationalism, starting with the three people groups. So let's do this thing. So in order to set the stage for what we're about to dive into, I want to take a look at a pretty common illustration. You probably have heard it before, but there may be a few people that haven't. And this is the illustration of a letter that's written to an individual. Now, I know that physical letters aren't super popular these days, but but this illustration resonates with me because about 20 years ago, my grandmother wrote me a letter for my 18th birthday slash graduation. Now, one of the neat things about this letter is that my grandmother wrote it on archival paper. She wrote it in pencil first, then she went over it in pen just to make sure that she got everything perfect. So needless to say, this letter is very important to me. Now, if you were to read this letter that was addressed to me, but was written by my grandmother, my grandma Robbie, you would find out some pretty interesting things about her. And this is exactly what I invited my wife to do one day. I I gave her the letter and I let her read it. Now, in the letter, my grandma writes a couple of neat things, a couple of key topics that she's focused on. And the first is just the importance of making memories. And she hosted a lot of family get-togethers and family reunions, oftentimes at her expense. And so she was really adamant about making memories by bringing family together. Now, another thing that she encouraged me to do in this letter is to actually use my talents and gifts to glorify God because she understood that those things could be used to make an eternal impact in the lives and hearts of men and women. One of my favorite parts of the letter is how focused she was on being obedient to the word of God. And she actually wrote this. It's, it's pretty neat. Obedience is the key that unlocks the door to all of God's promises and rewards. So needless to say, you're getting the picture. My grandma, Robbie, she's a boss. Like, she's awesome. Another one of my favorite things about this letter is she actually gave references to all of her favorite Bible verses, like in the entire Bible. So if all that wasn't enough, if I ever want to know what am my grandmother like most about the Bible, well, I have those references. Now, in addition to all this, my grandmother actually sent a check along with that letter, and that was to be used, one, for my graduation party, and two, for some spending money for me when I went to college because she knew that I was going to have a job. I was going to art school, so I was going to be a bum. So she took care of me, and that's really great. That's just... That's just the person that she was. So after my wife gets done reading this letter, there are a couple of logical conclusions that she could come to. So she would be able to see how important family was to my grandmother, and also that my grandmother was obedient to the word of God and called others to do the same. But the one thing that my wife couldn't do is look at me and say, hey, yo, where's my money at? And she couldn't do that for two reasons. One, because that's incredibly rude. Don't just turn to someone and say, where's my money at? Okay, like, that's not a good thing. And the second is that that letter wasn't written to her. That letter was written to me, and it has a very specific application to me that is different than it does to her. So while she can learn neat things about my grandmother, 
she don't get no money like I did, right? So I hope you see maybe where we're going with this illustration as it relates to three different types of people groups that we see in the Bible. Now, as it relates to these three people groups, I don't want you to take my word for it, but rather let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, where it says this, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. So when God is looking at all of humanity, he sees them in these groups, Jews, Gentiles, and the church of God. This is the, the scriptural basis for, for why we see these three people groups. So what we want to do now is just take a little bit of time and explore these three people groups. Now, this won't be exhaustive, but hopefully it'll be helpful. Now, the first people group that we see is the Jews, the nation of Israel. And that's really what all of the Old Testament is about. It's about the formation and the history of the nation of Israel. And there are a couple of, of observations that we have, things that we can notice that are specific to this people group. The first is that they have a national identity. In Jeremiah 31, 35 through 36, it says this, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. So what we see here very clearly is the Lord saying, the nation of Israel is going to be a nation, and there's, there's nothing that anyone can do about that. Once it's a nation, it will remain a nation. Now, Israel has also been promised a specific land. In Genesis 13, verses 14 and 15, it says this, And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. So here we see the nation of Israel has promised an actual, physical, literal piece of land. Now, of course, Abraham has a son, Isaac, who has a son, Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel, has 12 sons, which constitute the 12 tribes of Israel. So from Abraham, the nation will be birthed. We can also see that the nation of Israel is promised a throne and a kingdom. If we take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, we can see some of these elements. In verse 13, it says this, He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Later in verse 16, it says this, And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Now, the thing that we can't mistake about these passages is that these are literal promises to the nation of Israel, a very specific people group that is not the Gentiles and not the church. This people group has their own promises that apply specifically to them. The second people group that we see according to 1 Corinthians 10.32 is the Gentiles. And of this group, author and commentator Lewis Sperry Schaefer says this, Quote, the Gentiles are that vast, unnumbered company, excluding the Israelites who have lived on the earth from Adam until now. So again, we see here very clearly Gentiles are not the Jews. They're also not the church. In Romans 15 verses 8 through 12, it says this. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. 
and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. So, of course, Romans is a letter written by Paul, who is a Jewish man, but is, is saved radically by Jesus Christ. We find that in Acts 9. And he essentially reveals this mystery of the church and the church age. And he is a minister to the Gentiles. The last people group we find is, of course, the church of God. And I want to take a look at a couple of the key distinctions for this people group. Now, just like the previous people groups that we've looked at, the Church of God is distinct from both the Jews and the Gentiles. And in the book of Colossians, that's talking about the uniqueness of the church in chapter 3, verse 11, it points this out pretty, pretty plainly. It says this, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. We can also see that the church is unique and that they are new creatures in Christ, spiritually speaking. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We can also see in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that those that are in Christ, that are the body of Christ, the church, are predestined to be conformed into Christ's image. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So now that we've spent some time taking a look at these people groups, some of you might be asking, well, why do we do that? What's the importance of it? And it's actually pretty key, and that's because the context of a passage as we're reading it in Scripture can often be addressed by simply asking the question, who is God talking to? Who is he talking to? And we know that scripturally speaking, there's only three groups of people that he could be talking to. So it's incredibly important that we know to which group God is addressing his words. And in fact, if we don't know who God is talking to, then how could we possibly come to a proper interpretation of Scripture? And I want to submit to you that we won't. So to kind of see this in action, maybe bring it to a practical level, I have a weird question to ask you. Are you ready for this one? It's a little odd and morbid. So here we go. When was the last time that you woke up in the morning, poured your coffee, read your Bible, walked outside, slit the throat of an animal, and then praised God for the death? I'm going <laughs> to, I'm just going to say that that didn't happen. And that's not going to happen. I'm going to imagine that you've never sacrificed an animal before. But the book of Leviticus tells you all about how to sacrifice you some animals. So why haven't you done it? Well, it's very clear that the book of Leviticus isn't written to us. It's written to Jews. So whereas a Jewish man or woman living in the dispensation of the law would read that book prescriptively, that is a set of instructions that they are to follow, we would read that book principally. That is that we would understand the importance of holiness to God because it took animal sacrifices in order to maintain that holiness. Something had to die and its blood be shed in order to cover sin. 
when it comes to how we practically walk out our faith as New Testament church age believers, we need to make sure that we are getting prescriptive instructions from the parts of the Bible that are written to us. And that is the book of Romans through the book of Philemon. Those are the letters that are written to church age believers and likewise have doctrine for us church age believers to follow. When you read those letters, you can trust that the instructions that are written to you, you can follow prescriptively and be understanding and interpreting your Bible correctly. As always, I want to thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the PS Plus. If you have questions about the Living Faith Bible Institute, you can go to lfbi.org and find out more there. I hope that this episode was helpful for you, and I also hope to talk to you next time. Take care. Mm -hmm.